0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Mike Bollinger, Global Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for Cornerstone, a talent management system and software company. Mike is no stranger to the HR Works podcast, as he first joined us back in July 2022 for a great discussion on the skills confidence gap. If you missed Mike's first episode, I highly recommend checking that one out after today's episode. That's episode 199 and can be found on HR Daily Advisor or anywhere you stream podcasts. Now we've got Mike back today to look at the next stage beyond the skills confidence gap something that's rapidly rising as a priority for organizations aiming to attract, engage, and retain their top talent in this modern workforce, and that's employee development and talent mobility. The Cornerstone People Research Lab and Lighthouse Research and Advisory recently came together to release a global report called Ready, Set, Grow, the Building Blocks for High-Impact Talent Mobility, and Mike joins us today to take a closer look at some of the findings from that report and help us understand why HR teams should be doubling down on talent mobility in 2023. Mike, welcome back to the Works Podcast.
1: Thanks. Jeez, 199, huh? I wish I could have broken 200, maybe.
0: (laughs) We'll have to have you back on for when we get to three, officially get you on a milestone one. But uh, again, great to have you back here, Mike. Look, for our listeners who have heard the episode 199, they're certainly familiar with you. But for anyone who may be meeting you for the first time, can you just briefly provide a, a quick overview of what you oversee as Global Vice President of Strategic Initiatives at Cornerstone?
1: sure the the job is multi-varied in in a couple of different ways i do run the cornerstone people research lab that is the main thrust of what i do but um if you're just going to be in research then you don't necessarily do a lot of the practitioner stuff i do have a technical background so i work not only in the research arena for cornerstone under the point of a rising tide lifts all boats um it's an investment we make in our community But I also work um, in the corp dev environment, as well as our um, product strategy teams. So uh, with customers in that regard, so that the research actually has legs.
0: That's great. Now, I know we spoke over six months ago at this point. What's something new that you've been working on, uh, you and the team at Cornerstone, since we last met back in July?
1: So when we talked back in July, we talked a little bit about the Global Skills Research Report. And in there, we, we called out the confidence capability gap. Um, which is the perception of the difference between employers and employees in terms of their ability to not only invest in skills development, but from the employee perspective, consume that skills development. And one of the lenses that we talked about in that episode was what we call the high performing and laggard organizations, high performing being those that are better, more profitable, and, and so on. There was 16 elements to that. And the difference in the confidence gap between the high performers and the laggards was significant. And we talked a little bit about that last time, but that led us to do two things. One, we're going to refuel that, that skills research in the second half of this year. But at the same time, we wanted to drill down and dig into some of the, the reasoning behind that confidence gap with a lens, if you will, toward the idea of talent mobility. So in conjunction with the Lighthouse Research Advisory Group, Ben Eubanks, a close friend and an excellent researcher, we went into creating a global talent mobility study around the reasoning behind some of those confidence gap elements. And we surveyed a thousand employers and a thousand employees in North America, Europe, and Asia. And so the idea behind this now is this is the next level peeling the onion, if you will, on that confidence gap.
0: I love it. It's a great way to take that conversation further and, and keep growing here. So, again, as we're looking at talent mobility in 2023, what are those factors that have really brought that conversation and focus on talent mobility and employee growth to the forefront, really making them a priority for both employees and their leadership teams? What's really played into that?
1: Well, it's, it. if you think about it, right, there's not one factor, but it was this confluence of factors and um, one of them, obviously, is the pandemic. The pandemic pushed companies to rethink their processes and their communications with their employees and their customers. Right. Digital transformation initiatives went from years to months to weeks, and HR was busy building the airplane as they flew. And so, kudos to my HR partners out there that were able to weather that. But that also created this notion of visibility: the the what do I have, what do I want, what do I need? And I think it. It exacerbated that, that request and that requirement because they had to make fast decisions around that visibility. And so that was one. A second one is, and everybody cites the World Economic Forum, but it's still useful. 50% of skills atrophy over a three-year period It's just that way. Um, for the audience, there's something known as skillsclock.io. It's put on by the UN. Go look at it. It'll talk to you a little bit about the next generation coming in and what their skill preparedness is. And then the notion of that man and machine tasks, and we're seeing more and more that machines are going to perform more work tasks in the next couple of years than humans, which is okay, but it changes the skill set. So that created this notion of a shared mission, moving from talent management to career management. And words matter. Think about it from that regard. Um, The last one, I think, when we talk about that is as employees, we feel this pressure as well. And we've all heard of, uh, you know, the major calls around layoffs and those kinds of things, which lead us to be concerned. Stop watching those headlines. There's still a significant uh, component of skilling out there. And the employers know that. So in this talent mobility report, one of the things thinking about the Idleman Trust and how we trust our own place uh, in that environment 47% 47% of employees saw the chance to explore more career opportunities. That They said that would make them satisfied. One in five employees said they don't have any visibility at all in that talent mobility report. So we're again talking about visibility. We follow that around job opportunities and what was really apparent was the lack of visibility is a huge issue in the research. People who don't have visibility are nearly three times more likely they say they wouldn't be interested in other jobs at the company. It was significant.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a significant gap. As you mentioned, 47% have interest in really growing their skills within their organization, but one in five are only really able to utilize that and taking advantage. There's a huge gap there that, that really can be focused on to meet that employee need. And again, What better time than now to really focus on meeting those employee needs, putting the employee needs first uh, in this really challenging time for talent workforce?
1: A hundred percent.
0: All right. So we're looking at some practical ways for HR leaders to really double down on their talent development in 2023. What are some of those practical ways?
1: So in the report, there were three strategies. Um, The first one we hear about, but there is nuance to it, which is personalizing the approach to growth. And what we found was that women were about 33% more likely than men to say that they wanted to explore projects that helped them learn new things. And people under the age of 45 were 50% more likely that they wanted to explore projects and develop new connections. And employers in large organizations uh, prioritize projects that let them explore other internal opportunities. Coincidentally, in that skills report that we talked about in July, Ninety-six percent of high-performing organizations give employees the ability to look at that personalized skill and look at things that interest them, and only sixty-one percent of laggards did. Eighty percent of employees in high-performing organizations saw stretch assignments as important to advancing their career; only thirty-seven percent in laggards did. So, this notion of personalized, a personalized approach to growth, is an expectation, if you will, and uh, that leads into the next strategy, which is. Take advantage of some technology. If we know that people want to have they want to explore for themselves first before they have a conversation. And in this case, we know that employees are 80% more likely to prefer technology over a manager conversation as their first option. It doesn't mean that we're not going to talk to the manager. It just means I want to be able to explore first. And so Something around the notion of self-service technology or opportunity marketplace is tapping into that technology that allows you to look at both your existing skill sets to do some personalized career explorations so that you can have a conversation, an informed conversation with your manager. So strategy number two is tapping into that technology. Strategy number three is leveraging that manager support. And what we found in this research is that those uh, employees who said that their manager would not support them in growing into another position had twice as much a propensity to leave as someone who thought their manager would support them in growing into that position. So what you want to do is you want to consider how you are going to leverage the manager's support. because, And we put a lot on managers. That's another podcast we should have. Um, around around managers and what we put on them. Absolutely. But what the
0: re- sign you up? That could be 300.
1: Yeah, there you go, episode 300. Um, but what we do know from the report is that employers that say they have a large number of talent hoarders are 267% more likely to say employees don't have visibility into career opportunities. So the manager is crucial to that. So those are the three strategies.
0: Yeah, Thanks for those, Mike. That idea of talent hoarding is definitely one I want to dig into. Before we dive into that piece, though, I first want to look at what you mentioned with technology and that want for employees to really explore on their own. I thought that was really interesting. It's a bit of employees wanting to create their own career path as opposed to maybe having it just mapped out for them. That's something we've been seeing is really employees taking control of their career and what that next step is, and at least exploring that, right? being able to see OK, this is what I want to do next. And having that to present to their management team or at least having an idea of what those next steps for growth could be. I suppose the opposite of just having it pre-planned and saying, OK, this is where we want you to go next. Um, it's a bit of just employees taking control of their own career, which I thought was interesting. It's it,
1: And it's the democratization of that, if you will, because right. um, it's not, you know, here's your career path. It's not that way anymore. We all know that. We've talked about that for a while. But we do know that, and part of this is our own understanding as consumers as well, I'll talk about that in a minute, we go do our research first, and then we contact somebody who can help us with tier one, tier two kinds of conversations. Why is that not a part of the overall employee experience as well? I always, I always make the, the joke that back in 2005, everything was about employee self-service, And none of us thought that that was going to take off. And then today, can you imagine having an employer relationship without employee self-service? The the opportunity marketplace is exactly the same thing. Where can I go explore? And when I say explore, I mean multivariate paths. I might want to explore a completely different area than I might not be in line with what I'm looking for. That's one. Second thing is, is, is maybe I just want to be able to do that stretch assignment that we talked about. A place to go democratize that search is a needed technology, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that that is so well said. Yeah, thanks for that, Mike. Now let's dig into the third point you made and that the term that really stood out to me, talent hoarding. Um, Again, in a time with so many buzzwords that are floating around, and that talent hoarding is one that really cuts through. So help us understand that a bit more. What are some of those red flags that indicate talent hoarding may be taking place within a management team?
1: So the definition, if you will, of talent hoarding is the propensity of a manager to discourage or an, uh, impede an employee. Um, oftentimes they're citing operational issues as the reason for it, right? Um, so that's one of, one of the things we found in the study, that um, more than half of employers are requiring workers to check with their manager before pursuing an internal opportunity. Back to what we talked about with the opportunity marketplace, because I don't have to do that at least at level zero, that creates an environment where maybe some of the talent hoarding can, can be minimized. But talent hoarding is normal, natural, and it has an impact. So if we think about the red flags, a lot of times the red flags are lack of conversation with the employees. There was a really great study by the Center for Advanced HR Studies, CAI, C-A-H-R-S, um, that found that, that managers who had career mobility in their organization actually had better internal application rates. Word gets out. So you can actually look at the internal application rate, and if you've got a manager that's only getting two and another one that's getting 10, that's an indicator. A lot of times you'll hear the employee's not ready for the role, and that is also a bit of a red herring. So those are some of the red flags that can indicate talent hoarding might take place.
0: So if teams have a feeling that talent hoarding might be taking place or really want to get out in front of it, what are some processes that HR teams can put into practice, can implement to really discourage that talent hoarding? As you said, it's natural. Sometimes it may happen inadvertently and unknowingly by management teams, but certainly HR teams can probably put some steps into place to help make management aware that this is a factor and really get out in front of it. So what are some of those processes that come to mind, Mike?
1: So you have to over and over again, and obviously this is a mobility report, but over and over again, we know you have to foster a culture of internal first. And I always say it this way, the person that you're desperately looking for probably already works for you. And so what you want to do is you want to be able to give managers a performance goal, amongst all the other things we lay on managers, but give them a performance goal of constantly rotating internal talent. That's important. Um, One of the reasons for talent hoarding is I might not get a backfill. Can you intervene in that um, unspoken concern and make reassurances there? Not always, but that's one other thing. You want to be able to reduce the bureaucracy. A lot of times what we find is it's easier to apply externally than internally. As a matter of fact, Ben tells a great story of of a healthcare company where this person wasn't able to get any traction in the internal space, so they hired externally. And all of a sudden, HR said, hey, wait a minute. You already work for us. Why did you apply from the external website? It was faster. Take that out of it. And then finally, one of the things that you can do, we all have talent review discussions. Ask managers on the reasons that, they're, that they are or are not sharing talent.
0: Yeah, those are all great. Mike, what I love that you mentioned too is that idea of culture. And it goes back to a point you made earlier and a point that actually came up with the skills competence gap conversation. It's that understanding that high-performing organizations tend to have that culture of development, of career growth being front and center. Um, And I think that all ties back in, again, to those high-performing organizations tend to be those that are promoting and moving along and advancing their workforce and not falling into that trap of talent hoarding.
1: And I think that that is something that you're going to have to work at, right? It's not something that you can do on a regular basis. You actually have to work toward it. But in terms of some of the, the communication. You want to be able to have stay conversations. You want to be able to have internal career fairs. Uh, we talked about opportunity marketplace, but you want to make that a go to place. And you want to make sure that career paths are not prescribed, but have multiple branches associated with them. If you do that, just those simple things, you're communicating to the employee population that talent hoarding is not what you're about and that you want to give them the opportunity to grow.
0: Right, which only would encourage talented employees to want to stay and continue to grow their career. Again, you're investing your time, your energy, your passion into the organization you're with. And, and as the numbers show, right, there's a want to grow and continue to stay with an organization generally from, from talent workforce. So giving them the tools, again, creating the environment, the culture to encourage that is only a smart approach for organizations.
1: We know from three of the pieces of research, including this one, that they look to us first. Right. We would think, oh, they're Googling or they're talking. And actually, they look at us first. So we have tools in place and strategies in place, being mindful of that.
0: Absolutely. So looking at that communication piece next, what are some effective ways for organizations to better communicate and provide some visibility into those career growth opportunities As you mentioned in in the Ben Eubanks example, that it was easier for an employee to apply externally than internally. That's a red flag right off the top. So what are some great ways for organizations to better communicate those opportunities and resources that are available?
1: So, and we talked a little bit about the state conversations and the career fairs and career pathing that's multiple branches. But one of the things that I'm very fond of saying is just because you said something seven times doesn't mean the eighth time is redundant. So if you are going to represent that this is an important mechanism and you're using some of those techniques, make sure that you repeat it over and over and over again. That's one. Second one is, and and I've said this before in one of our earlier conversations, celebrate the wins. Make sure and celebrate when someone has done something that's very unique at, at an individual level. Celebrate the fact that they've made that move. Celebrate their manager who helped them make that move. Um, One of the best things we know about change management, which you don't manage change, you only facilitate it, is celebration creates a snowball effect.
0: Yeah, you learn from your peers. You experience that with your peers. When you see your coworkers, your peers advancing and finding those opportunities, why wouldn't you want to also get on board with that?
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Makes perfect sense. So, Mike, looking at technology, again, one of the three strategies that you had mentioned earlier What are the technologies that are really having the greatest impact on career growth for employees?
1: So we talked a lot about Opportunity Marketplace, and I'll emphasize that one more time. But don't minimize things like the collaboration tools, Teams and Slack and those kinds of things. Um, Because one of the things that we know about talent mobility is that you have the potential issue to have mentors, and to have conversations, not issue, but uh, output from mentors and those kinds of things. Teams and Slack are a big part of that from a collaboration perspective. Some of the other technologies, AI and machine learning can be used in a variety of ways. We won't talk about chat GPT for the audience. You're welcome. Um, but the the notion of being able to personalize and tag, and a Cornerstone, we have a content studio that is constantly examining and presenting the next thing. We have a, a skills ontology that looks at adjacencies and equivalencies and those kinds of things. So um, you're going to see more and more of AI be a part of that career growth for employees. That's where the personalization comes from. Um, think about it from that in that regard. So um, I would say opportunity marketplace, consider AI and don't minimize the collaboration tools.
0: Yeah, all all great points, all great tools that can really help not only conversation, not only communication, but just the efforts and the investment into career development along. So uh, all fantastic. And don't worry that the chat GPT conversation, we just released that episode. It should be the one actually running right before this one, Mike. So uh, we've covered that conversation plenty and we'll only see where that takes us in terms of technology use in, in the HR profession and just the working world. Yes, agreed. Yeah, it's just the tip of the iceberg, I think. So what are some of those bigger challenges? Again, ChatGPT, we're still trying to figure out, is that a challenge, is that a hurdle with organizations? But what are some of those biggest challenges and hurdles preventing employees' internal growth in pursuit of advancement opportunities right now, based on just what you're seeing?
1: So one of the things that we examined in the report, and I really like the outcome for it, it, it actually filled my bucket, was this notion of a sense of belonging. And the way you test for that in research is you you ask questions around acceptance and appreciation and understanding. So a sense of belonging means that we feel like we're accepted and appreciated in our relationships. So we asked the question and we asked them for agreement versus disagreement. And for those people who had a high belonging score, they were three times more likely to say that their manager would support their career growth. So managers listen up one more time You have an impact on the day-to-day of that employee. Those with a low belonging score were twice as likely to say they wouldn't consider another career opportunity inside the business. Ouch. And high belonging employees were more interested in every kind of learning. So eager learners, if you will, and personal interests and those kinds of things. Yeah. Low belongers also said that uh, six times more likely to say they didn't know if their manager or their employee even tracked their skills. They had no idea. So this notion of belonging has an impact. So focus there. To me, that is one of the um, biggest challenges uh, in terms of internal mobility, internal growth, and those kinds of things. Test for it yourself.
0: That makes so much sense. I mean, think of it quite simply as if you don't feel like you belong at a place, why do you want to stay? Conversely, if you do feel like you belong, you feel like you're a part of it, you're invested. You want to spend as much time as possible at your organization and continuing to grow there, and you feel, again, invested in the people and the place and the the organization, the product overall, you're going to want to put as much time and energy as possible to keep growing and stay there.
1: Remember, we know they look to us first, but they're not going to look to us if they don't have a sense of belonging. Sure,
0: that makes perfect sense. All right, Mike, so looking at talent mobility and career development process, if you had to pick one, career development process for HR leaders to implement and introduce into their workforce objectives in 2023? What would it be?
1: Think cross-functional. You know, um, ESG is a good example of that, Um, even though it's a really, really big topic. But as we move from, from digital to personalized, we're starting to focus on the, again, on the side of bridgeable skills or soft skills. Cross-functional development, something like ESG, because it has impact across the business, is an example of things that you can do with an outcome across the cross-functional development. Capability academies are a part of this equation as well. Probably a conversation for a different day, but the idea behind business sponsorship of the outcomes and the behaviors through capability academies, I I think that's another example of cross-functional development. So think in those terms, uh, don't think necessarily in silos, think about how you can spread that so that it's bridgeable and used in many places.
0: That's great. So then Mike, where do you see talent mobility going? Skills development, how does that evolve beyond 2023?
1: Boy, there's a lot to that. You know, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to go to the Consumer Electronics Show and I hadn't been for several years. And what I came away with were two things in, in particular. And the first one is really this notion that employees and consumers are actually two sides of the same coin. And what I really came away with was we're competing. We and HR are competing for their attention and mindshare. Um, there's digital self-sufficiency going on. Fifty-eight percent of consumers are using online learning. New media habits, like content creators in particular, are huge. As a matter of fact, the content creator economy was, if you will, was all over the floor. Sony had Mocopi and creator cameras, VR and, and AR, haptic was everywhere. And so this notion of what I call the garage band of content, I think is coming more and more to the head. So how do you support that? How do you support that in a way that allows for some sense of governance, but also allows for the innovation? Um, by the way, as a, as a quick aside, The automotive platforms that were there, oh, my gosh, they're getting ready to explode with content. So that was one.
0: Right. We're we're finding new ways to meet customers, to deliver content in all forms and mediums. The ability to focus and hone in and and pin someone down for extended periods of time, that's fleeting. I think you're, you're fighting just distractions constantly. So I think when we can find ways to integrate maybe talent mobility and skills development into just various forms and really, again, meet customers where they are, that's the, the trendy term, but it makes so much sense. That, that's where I see it going, but it seems like you're seeing the same thing. And again, just even being somewhere like
1: Consumer Electronics Show points to that as well. Translates all the way through. And we know that the new, the new Consumer if you Will, they're lifelong learners. They're already built that way. So how do we attach to that mindshare? The other one is pretty quick, which is AI and and machine learning. Make sure that you use ethical and governance around those things. Um, Teach your folks, if you will, not to take it at face value, but to dig in behind it. Use metrics around that. And then um, also align with vendors who actually provide value and don't just have AI in their language.
0: Yeah, that's some great advice to close out on. As we're seeing really the, the rise and development of AI tools, and especially, as you mentioned, ChatGPT being integrated, teams need to really have an understanding of the tools and also have an understanding of really how to protect and ensure compliance the whole way through. As you're exploring these new tools, really set yourself up for long-term success. And-
1: Can't emphasize this enough. Don't take it at face value. Dig into the recommendations that you are you're being provided. You will find great reward in that.
0: Great advice. Well, look, again, we're here with Mike Bollinger, Global Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for Cornerstone. Mike, thanks for taking us through and, again, looking at this recent report from Cornerstone People Research Lab and Lighthouse Research and Advisory, Ready, Set, Grow, The Building Blocks for High Impact Talent Mobility. For any of our audience out there who want to learn more and really want to check out the full talent mobility study, you can download that full report and related infographics by visiting csod.info/slash read report. And that'll take you to the necessary links to access the report. But again, we'll provide those through hrdailyadvisor.com as well. But again, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation. I'm glad we could pick this one up again. I always close out my conversation saying I hope we keep the conversation going. Uh, We actually did it. So uh, I'll say that one again. I hope we keep this one going again. I've got you already penciled in for episode 300. So uh, we'll definitely have you back for that one.
1: I'm in. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.